For years now, Brazilian politics has been completely starved of normality. But even in this bizarre era, Monday, March 29th, was one of the most manic days in recent memory. The day began with the firing of Foreign Minister Ernesto Araújo, headline news in anyone's book, but it quickly became completely overshadowed by a major cabinet reshuffle and a military crisis. So what to make of all of this confusion? That's what we will try to answer this week. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. For months, congressional leaders, agricultural producers, and the government's economic team have yearned to see the head of Foreign Minister Ernesto Araújo served up to them on a platter. He was considered too radical and too incompetent to head Brazil's diplomatic course. But as we have seen time and time again, Araújo had one crucial quality, his blind loyalty to President Jair Bolsonaro. The clouds began to gather for Araújo late in March, after a top foreign policy advisor made a hand gesture associated with white supremacy groups during a Senate hearing. Then, to obliterate any chance of him staying in office, Araújo tweeted accusations against senators, claiming the chairwoman of the Foreign Affairs Committee approached him to call in favors for Chinese telecom giant Huawei in Brazil's upcoming 5G auction. Araújo said he refused to play ball and claimed that that was the reason politicians wanted his head. That was the point of no return, and allies of the government passed along the message that they would no longer tolerate Ernesto Araújo being foreign minister. And that's when things took a turn for the bizarre. Hours after Adaujo's resignation was confirmed, the defense minister followed suit, as did the solicitor general. All three formally resigned, but were in fact pushed out of the government by Jair Bolsonaro, who then embarked on a massive cabinet reshuffle, including other key offices, such as chief of staff and justice minister. In the biggest ministerial reshuffle since he took office, the move comes as pressure mounts on the far-right leader to address the COVID-19 crisis. And the commanders of the armed forces have all lost their jobs. The fallout is the result of a growing wedge between the military commanders and Jair Bolsonaro. Back in October, we reported that the heads of the Army, Navy and Air Force were concerned that the president could tarnish the public image of the armed forces. The basic result of Bolsonaro's cabinet overhaul is that the president is now completely surrounded by yes-men, leading many to speculate on the true motives behind his decision. Many political observers believe he wants psychophants in charge of the armed forces as leverage against impeachment, or even to stage a power grab of his own. Guilherme Casarões is a professor at think tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas. He's also the co-founder of the Observatory of the Extreme Right, a project to monitor the behavior of extremist groups in the political arena. Guilherme, thanks for coming back to the show. We have seen several strange things happen during the Jair Bolsonaro administration, but not much can compare to this week. What do you make of what is happening? First of all, it seems clear that Bolsonaro uh, is currently against the ropes. 
He's a, a, an authoritarian populist, a far-right authoritarian populist. And um, for the last two years, his main strategy of governing was to uh, foster chaos and instability so that he could take, uh, take over um, some areas of, of power that uh, were uh, at first inaccessible to him. He waged a strategy of destruction, of scorched earth for the first two years in office. He basically destroyed the public policy legacy, not only of the Workers' Party, but of pretty much every previous government that has been in office since the, the, the redemocratization process back in the 1980s. Uh, and now, finally, the strategy of scorched earth has taken its toll. And I'd say that uh, this is mostly thanks to the uh, dire situation of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Bolsonaro is not only seen um, as an authoritarian populist, a far-right ideologue, but also as a terribly incompetent president. And his approval ratings are going down. He, he has been able to keep his approval ratings at roughly 30%. Uh, even during some periods within the pandemic, especially because of the uh, emergency cash transfer. Uh, but now, um, with uh, the end of this cash transfer, people uh, getting back to a situation of extreme poverty, uh, some people really uh, having nothing to eat uh, as a consequence of the um, restrictions imposed by governors and mayors. So the whole situation uh, looks terrible for, for Bolsonaro. So I, I have the impression that he has been trying to double the bet, um, especially when it comes to, uh, to, to offer a more authoritarian response to everything that's been going on. Um, and of course, the first thing that he has, uh, that he has been doing is to, uh, to accuse governors and mayors of being authoritarian themselves. And uh, we know that it's not true. I mean, lockdown measures, um, and not full lockdown measures, but, but uh, at least partial lockdown measures, they have been uh, uh, key in fighting the pandemic everywhere else in the world. So it's no exception uh, in, in Brazil. But at the same time, he's been trying to push for um, a very unilateral response to the pandemic based on uh, what he called early treatment uh, measures based on chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, and ivermectin. But also he's been shuffling his cabinet. He, he has, um, has made a lot of changes in his cabinet uh, so as to reinforce the military component of his government. Uh, we, we know that ever since the beginning, Bolsonaro uh, was very fond of the military. He has tried to build at least partially a military bunker within the government. But especially after today's events, um, after the replacement of, not the replacement, but the, the, the firing of Ernesto Araújo, our foreign minister, uh, and uh, Fernando uh, Azevedo, our defense minister, it seems that he uh, will try to make this government even more military-based uh, than ever before. And, and, and this is unprecedented 
not only in times of democracy, but even during the military dictatorship. We have never seen so many military officials, especially uh, uh, active military officials within the government. And uh, there's there are two functions for that. The first function has to do with uh, Bolsonaro's uh, hold on the military power. So if he wants to stage a self-coup or he, if he wants to try to uh, increase his authoritarian rule, he will have to rely on the, on the gun power of the, the armed forces and also of the military police. So, so this is a part of the strategy. And the other part of the strategy is that especially active military, uh, they have to be 100% loyal to the president. So the, the idea, the rationale behind um, filling up ministries and his cabinet as a whole with, uh, with military uh, uh, officials, it sends a clear signal that Bolsonaro wants to control each and every aspect of policymaking in, in Brazil. And especially because he's uh, so narrow-minded and, and, and so incompetent, uh, that becomes a problem, a concrete plot problem for the 210 million Brazilians who are now uh, totally uh, um, helpless in face of a government that really doesn't want to save lives. And all it, it looks forward to is to... Uh, um, increasing its command, its control over um, each and every aspect of uh, Brazil's society. So you said something interesting about how military men always follow a code of loyalty to the president, who is their commander-in-chief. The resignation letter published by outgoing Defense Minister Fernando Azevedo Silva had some telling remarks. He said he had, quote, preserved the armed forces as institutions of the state during his time in office. Our sources tell us that that was as big of an indictment on the president that a respected army general would allow himself to make in public, indicating that Bolsonaro wants more control over the armed forces. What is your read on this dig directed at the president? Well, it seems uh, clear that uh, at this point, Bolsonaro has been trying to use the armed forces to his own benefit. And I don't say to the government's or to the country's benefit, but to his own uh, power ambitions. So apparently this message by now, the now former Minister of Defense, uh, it, 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 is, um, it is very shocking in the sense that um, Anyone who has been the defense minister, uh, well, we expect this person to uh, to keep the armed forces as a as an arm of the state, never as a, a an arm for uh, an individual or, or a government's political ambitions. So uh, by by saying that he pre he has tried to preserve, I, I'm not sure if the, the exact wording, but uh, the idea that he was trying to preserve the armed forces as part of a state project, not a government one, it it, it looks like there have been pressures um, coming, especially from the president, but we don't know exactly who uh, has been pushing for that. But uh, apparently the president has been trying to, uh, to, to ban the armed forces to his own uh, interests. And that seems particularly problematic on the eve of the anniversary of the military coup of 1964. Bolsonaro has openly defended 
the positive role of the military when they implemented the dictatorship back in 1964. He has uh, made numerous speeches in Congress while a congressman. Well, Guilherme, his administration has even gone to court for the right to celebrate the coup. Exactly. In such a context, this message uh, by, by the former defense minister, it has a whole new meaning, right? Because it's not just a formal resignation letter. Uh, at first, it really looks like. But when you try to read between the lines, it seems clear that he, he he's trying to send a message. Somebody has tried to use the armed forces for personal intentions, for political purposes, not to protect the state, but to protect uh, some particular interests. And that's not what the armed forces were thought for. And um, if you think that the Bolsonaro administration has, from the very beginning, relied on uh, a, a widespread support by the military and a growing support by the military police who, who, are, who are expected to be loyal to the state governors, but who have rebelled at times against their own governors, um, this is uh, uh, quite a gloomy uh, circumstance in which um, many people uh, have been imagining that uh, we might see an attempt for a self-coup uh, in the next couple of weeks or, or days. And today today was a particularly chaotic day when it came to um, ministries leaving the, the government, many, uh, many speculations around uh, whether the government is go going to survive as it is. Uh, we have seen Bolsonaro facing a lot of pressure from the Senate and from uh, the House of Representatives. So um, I think that uh, when confronted very, very clearly by the state institutions, by the government institutions, Bolsonaro, now that he's cornered by the Senate and the House and the Supreme Court, he's trying to turn the tables. And that's um, this is something that we don't want to I mean, this is something that uh, might lead to. Uh, political instability and even political rupture at some point. Right. So I want to go back to something you said earlier about the sheer amount of military men holding offices within the Bolsonaro administration. There are over 6,000 of them at the moment. Now, our Brasilia correspondent, Débora Alvarez, heard from multiple power brokers in the country who believe that this is part of a tactic by Bolsonaro to build a front that would keep himself in power come what may, even if he loses the election in 2022. There are basically two hypotheses um, as to why Bolsonaro has increased the number of military, active military in his own government, both top level and, and second, third rank positions. Um, the first one is to prevent an impeachment proceeding to move on. Uh, we know that impeachments have become a pretty commonplace in Brazil. Um, we, we've had two uh, impeachment proceedings in less than 30 years, and, and now uh, Bolsonaro is facing more than uh, 80 or 90 requirements for impeachment in, in the House of Representatives. So uh, Bolsonaro is clearly trying to prevent uh, an impeachment from, uh, from, from removing him from office. So that's the first thing. And of course, by increasing the number of military uh, in the government, you send a clear message to the lawmakers and to the Supreme Court, basically saying, well, uh, don't you dare try to remove me from office because if you try to do it, I have enough manpower in the government and supporting me um, in the streets 
to make sure that this is not going to happen. So this is the first message. So in, in a way, he was trying to form an anti-impeachment front. But now, especially because 2022 is getting very close, uh, it seems that he will try to, to, uh, to create a similar narrative to the one that we saw in the United States a few months ago. He will claim that the elections were fraudulent in case he loses, of course. He will claim that elections were fraudulent. He will try to stir his supporters. Well, not only when he loses, he won in 2018 and still said that the election was rigged. Yeah, yeah. He, he was trying to make a case for the uh, the paper ballots as opposed to the electronic ballot or something like that. Um, and that has been one of his platforms um, even before he ran for, ran for president. So um, this is not really new. But I think that the new factor here is that uh, after what we saw in the United States, uh, his case for uh, the annulment of, of presidential elections in case he loses or in case he doesn't win by the margin he, he thinks he will win, um, that gives him a lot of leverage with his supporters to stage some sort of uh, self-coup. And again, I've said the word self-coup three or four times so far, and this is really a hypothesis that I'm, um, I, 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 was, I was trying to... to uh, Avoid it uh, at first because I, I didn't want to mistake Brazil for uh, smaller Latin American countries that have um, long records of self-coup attempts or, or even self-coup, successful self-coup attempts. Uh, but I think that we are getting closer and closer to this. And especially after what we saw in the United States, that seems very, very uh, predictable. Uh, we, we, re we can really see it coming. I mean, uh, after ballots are closed and counted in, in 2022, Bolsonaro will come and say that, uh, well, uh, it, was, uh, it, it was fraudulent. Uh, he will not recognize the results, no matter who wins. And that will be the, the, the signal for his supporters to violently uh, get hold of power. And this is something that I really, I'm really afraid of because I think that the narrative has been, um, has been consolidated enough to justify a very organized movement of taking over uh, in late 2022 in case Bolsonaro loses. Um, and that's going to be uh, really problematic because uh, whoever wins over Bolsonaro will probably not have enough uh, force to enforce their victory um, in case they win. And, and that's really problematic because, as I said, in, in a context where Bolsonaro has the, 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 partial, the partial support of the armed forces, he has the almost total support of the military police, and he has a lot of support from armed citizens. Um, one of his projects, by the way, in the last two years was to arm more and more uh, uh, citizens. So citizens who have bought weapons in the last two years are probably Bolsonaro supporters. So the combination of all those things will probably lead us to a context of a self-coup attempt in late 2022 in case he doesn't get impeached before that and in case um, especially the bulk of the military remains with him by his side in power. So new data from the Varieties of Democracy Project ranks Brazil fourth in a list of the world's top 10 countries 
undergoing a process of autocratization. It's worth remembering that Brazil's democracy is just 36 years old. How have things gone so bad so quickly? Yes. Uh, first of all, I think that we are uh, on the verge of a democratic breakdown. And this is not only thanks to Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro, uh, as much as Trump or as much as Narendra Modi in India, he's just a symptom of a much more serious disease. The thing about Brazil's democracy is that people have uh, become increasingly suspicious of democracy, especially after so many corruption scandals that we saw um, since the beginning of our uh, young democracy in the 1980s. Um, I think that uh, uh, we, we have indeed experienced a relatively long period of democratic stability between 1994 and 2014, but especially... Uh, When, when President Rousseff got reelected in 2014, things started to get out of hand. And, um, well, well, the very fact that we have seen numerous demonstrations, numerous popular demonstrations, some of those were violent, especially in the very beginning, between 2013 and 2016, uh, it is a signal, it is a very clear uh, uh, evidence that uh, democracy is not going well. Of course, protests do not necessarily mean that a democracy is not functioning. But when you have uh, successful and repeated uh, demonstrations over time, it basically means that the political system is not a being able to, to respond to people's most basic demands. And if you combine um, terrible economic policies that we have seen, especially since 2013 and 2014, um, uh, growing uh, uh, dissatisfaction with the political system, with politics in general, because of corruption, but also because of the, the, the lack of capacity to respond to people's demands. If we, if we take into consideration that Brazil has become a more violent country, especially after 2014, mostly thanks to the economic situation, but also thanks to the, grow, the growth of organized crime networks. So the combination of all that makes people um, naturally suspicious of democracy. And since Brazil is not really um, a, a, a traditionally democratic country, Brazil has no great track record um, for its democracy, uh, democratic institutions. So I, I really think that um, many people, especially in the middle class, But even some of the members of the elites, they are uh, sometimes willing to give up on, on democracy and, and, and some of the civil liberties uh, in order to gain more or in order to, um, to have some, some extended social rights, for example. So um, I think that uh, Brazilians are, are not really committed to democracy as in some other parts of the world, especially uh, across the Western world. Uh, there is an overall commitment to democracy, which we do not see here. So uh, the fact that people chose in 2018 um, a candidate whose commitment to democracy was historically, historically very low, as was the case of Bolsonaro, I think that uh, um, we could already see this uh, this process of uh, growing authoritarianism coming. So Bolsonaro, as I said, is not really a, a cause for all that. He's a symptom. And 
whoever voted for Bolsonaro knew that Bolsonaro would be able, or at least he would try to subvert democracy uh, so as to implement his agenda. He's very conservative, he's very uh, nationalistic, and he's very uh, uh, backward agenda when it comes to people's uh, um, most basic rights. And we can say a lot about Bolsonaro, but you have to hand it to him on one thing. He is delivering on his promises. We can't say we are surprised or shocked by what he's doing or how he's acting. Yes, I, I think that unlike Trump, for example, many people draw comparisons between Trump and Bolsonaro. But unlike Trump, Bolsonaro, uh, he's not a character. He's acting as himself, right? He's playing his own role. And he's never really faked his positions. He's never really lied about who he was at heart, right? So Bolsonaro, well, he, he was a man who back in 1999, uh, he vowed to, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to shoot the president because of privatizations. Uh, he said that the military regime uh, hadn't really done its job and he should have killed much more, many more than 300 people, but rather 30,000 people. So uh, at the end of the day, we knew what we could have uh, under Bolsonaro. And uh, the thing is that he he's terribly incompetent. So he, he cannot present himself as a full-fledged dictator, not because he doesn't want to, but because he, he had to uh, take some of his time to prepare the ground for um, a, a greater authoritarian project. But I really think we are on the verge of this uh, major change. Bolsonaro is on the verge of implementing this project by, as I said, filling up the cabinet with uh, active military, uh, by by reaching out to the military police and by arming citizens who are supportive of his project. So I, I really think that, uh, well, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that we are on the verge of a civil war, but I really think that we are on the verge of an attempt to change the Brazilian political regime uh, forcefully. This is probably not going to happen in 2022, but he's going to try to do something about it way before that. Guilherme, poverty is set to go up, inflation rates are set to skyrocket, and relations between the government and Congress seem as tense as they've ever been. It seems like we're in a powder keg. So what can we expect from the near future? Bolsonaro, he tried to um, reach out to Congress at some point because he, he felt he, he, he wouldn't be able to go on with uh, some of his reforms, some of the reforms that he proposed um, when he ran for president, if he didn't have the support, the, at least the partial support of Congress. Uh, but the, the thing is that uh, whenever he reaches out to Congress, he, he contradicts himself because Bolsonaro ran on a, an anti-system platform. He said he was going to do away with the old traditional politics. He said he would um, not negotiate with Congress. So uh, when he started to get closer to Congress, um, the most fundamentalist share of his uh, supporting base um, threatened him to, to abandon uh, his project. So, so uh, it, it placed Bolsonaro in a very tight spot because um, at the same time, he thought, well, I, I, I can only govern with those folks uh, from what we call the big center or the centrão in Portuguese. Uh, but at the same time, I need to keep my base uh, loyal and, and st I, I need to stir it 
eventually. So Bolsonaro has sent uh, very contradicting signals in the last couple of months, especially because he was trying to get closer to Congress, but at the same time, he radicalized his positions in some respects um, when it came to foreign policy, for example, that seemed obvious, but also uh, when it came to uh, health policies in the middle of the pandemic. So I think that he now uh, has realized that he he has pretty much burned every single bridge that he had with Congress, and uh, Ernesto Araujo's firing early today uh, was was a very clear uh, message that he he succumbed somehow to the interests of the uh, of the Senate. So I I think that um, because of that Bolsonaro has only one path uh, remaining, which is the path of securing his space. Uh, and trying to go to the second round of elections in 2022, hoping that whoever runs against him uh, will be will not be able to win because, um, especially if if Lula or anyone from the Workers' Party runs against him, there is this anti-Workers' Party sentiment going around that he will uh, that will prevent Bolsonaro from losing the election. So I think that he's betting that uh, I mean. Of course, a self-coup is a possibility on the table, but he's betting that uh, as he gets to 2022, he'll be able to win, especially because 30% in the context of Brazil, 30% of support is still enough to send a candidate to the second round. And well, depending on the circumstances, it's even enough to to elect the president. So I think that he's relying on this math, uh, which is a very um, feeble math, but he's relying on that because he really thinks that he can win the elections. And of course, he has uh, the, the the very uh, Trumpian argument of electoral fraud to back him up. So in case he loses, especially if he loses to somebody from the left, he will probably play the the election fraud card and, and, and try to turn the table, as I said. Guilherme, thank you very much for your thoughts, but I hope these predictions don't come true. So do I. Thank you so much. If you like Explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.